to another episode of the Picky Bastards podcast. I'm Nirmal Trevetti, lead bastard for today's show, alongside Nick Parker and Fran Slater, both of whom are more picky than I am today, probably, as usual. I'll argue with that, yeah. Uh, today, we've gathered today to discuss four new albums, one classic album, and one artist. And I introduce the other two to uh, a new artist or one that they're less than familiar with. Uh, so this episode's new albums are... Marie, Marika Hackman's I'm Not Your Man, James McAllister's Planetarium, Algiers' The Underside of Power, and Paul Bearer's Heartless. Uh, we'll also look at the classic album Chlore by Chlore, which uh, originally came out in 2005 and was placed first in the list of greatest albums you've never heard by the enemy in 2010. So looking forward to that. Wow, you're and like a professional right now. I can't allow this to continue. This is just sounding too good, really. You've just taken two of my bullet points as well. <laughs> I, really, I really hope that you uh, cut yourself out of that part because, you know, that really inter- interrupts my flow here. Well, don't be so <laughs> That's what I'm here for. Come good. On. All right. We'll end with me introducing the great Leonard Cohen to my fellow bastards. Uh, so without further ado, let's get on with it. Um, so, Fran, uh, which of our new albums made you smile more than once? And if it's made you smile just once, please don't refer to it. <laughs> well, even though this may be the most random question I have I've been asked yet in, in Picky Bastards history, it would definitely be uh, Marika Hackman, I'm Not Your mm. Man. And although Nick said to me earlier, he assumed that I would choose something that made me smile because I hated it. No, I'm choosing <laughs> it because it did generally make me smile. It was, um, I don't know how familiar you guys are with Marika. She's had one album before and it was kind of a really dreamy yeah. folk pop album, um, which I liked. But um, this one kind of had a lot more energy and bite to it and it was um it was a really refreshingly honest and open album and some of the lyrics really made me smile i found um quite amusing at times and quite a very honest album like i said but one of the lyrics i loved was uh, in a song called cigarette where she says when did it get so forced drunk by the second course you're never gonna let me win <laughs> it's a beautiful lyric but i just think in general um it was a yeah like a really powerful album and i think um the song boyfriend which kicks off the album kind of uh, is a calling card for the album because it's about her sexuality and her coming out and how despite being gay, she still sort of exerts a lot of power over men, mm. which uh, I found a really fascinating sort of concept. And also, uh, I don't know if you guys know that Big Moon, who was shortlisted for the Mercury Award, were the backing band on the whole album. Oh, I didn't know that. Which, wow. uh, and I felt All right. you know, her with that band behind her is such a massive step forward from the last album, which when I think... A lot of time when people change styles so drastically, it's it's a failure. But for this, it was a, a big step up. So it made me smile because I, I really enjoyed the album and got a lot out of it. But also, lyrically, it was a pretty funny album. And uh, uh, yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. So, wow. so were you saying, friend, that this is, it struck you as quite different from the, from the first one, huh? It's very different from the first one. I mean, weirdly, yeah. probably my favourite song on, on this new one is the song Cigarette. And that's yeah. probably the closest to her old album, even though I prefer this album. Um, it was all very slow, ballady songs with some quite bizarre lyrics, which she's carried on. But it was a it was a much calmer, quieter album. There's none of the like because there's some really sort of lively tracks on this album, which was just not not part of her her thing before. And she was very pigeonholed. Actually, everyone was like, "Oh, here's this other folky, poppy." whiny singer type thing and now right. with this album she's kind of blown that out of the water i think right right yeah nick what do you think oh, wow first of all you're both 
up in your game with like the professionalism. You sound like you actually have thought this through. <laughs> you have ideas. Maybe it's um, a break. We've had. The whole thing is just putting me off, really. Um, yeah, I mean, to be honest, um, I I, uh, I thought this album was all right, but and I wasn't familiar with the work before. But um, there I certainly... introduced you to this album just like her, her first album about a month ago. Which was about a month ago when we started yeah. this playlist, you mean? Yeah. Well, no, maybe six months ago. <laughs> a little while ago. Some yeah. said the other day and they mean two I think ago. I remember listening to the first one actually once. Yeah. And now you say that, that I'd actually not made the connection. So I apologize for that. But um, Thank it you. was uh, so it was a bit of a mixed bag for me. Um, there were times in the album when she sounded the production was, was good. And I thought it sounded very um, clean and clear what, what was sort of executed in the tracks. But uh, there were some songs that sounded really irritatingly um kind of jangly is all i can describe it and i have to say the opening song uh boyfriend i think i think that was the opening song wasn't it what yeah, was yeah. one of those tracks um it, it well, just came across that. as sorry you're just wrong about that okay thank you thanks for that very Carry thought on. out response Carry on. um yeah so the boyfriend was <laughs> kind of um well for one, for one thing it sounded like another band that i actually prefer who sounded a bit more energetic version of it which is speedy ortiz if you know speedy ortiz um but uh, anyway, a, a very kind of um, energetic and uh, jangly, high-pitched guitar laid over, um, well, better lyrics than I thought the song was worth in a way. So in that sense, it, it was kind of a little bit of a mix. As I say, the whole thing was a mixed bag and that song was a mixed bag. But I found it quite that song quite irritating and quite unfortunate Starks later on in the album, there were some really nice pieces that I think worked a lot better than that, um, particularly uh, Gina's World. Um, which was uh, kind of a very kind of dreamy sort of Twin Peaksy kind of mm. if that makes a, that makes any sense um, sort of vibe. Weirdly, and, I think um, is you've almost just described how people would have described her previous album, okay? Like the Twin Peak. Okay. Thing to well, it, she did some, some some of the lyrics of the last song are sort of about watching people's heads fall off and stuff like that, which right. is but it's a really delicate pop folky pop song. So okay, kind of hit the nail of that last album on the head. So you're just about. I don't okay, know, so maybe I'm ready for the behind. maybe I'm ready to listen to the first one again and not this one again. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it, I, I didn't hate it as I say, but it, it just it just really it was really marred it that it started so jangling. Yeah, yeah I, I think there's something there's something to that. I think for me as well, I I will say like in general this this I asked that question which album made you smile more than once because this one every lyrical kind of twist in it uh, made me smile a lot you know I thought I thought lyrically it was just really beautiful and dark and gross and grotesque and odd uh, you know I think there was this one one lyric about a brain marble shaped head kind of rolling you know mm. <laughs> kind of, i don't know if you remember that yeah. but uh it was beautiful i thought in kind of dark way you know you get a little, little uh, into my psyche there um but <laughs> wow, it, but it's scary yeah my lover cindy and i and i you know like what fran was saying about how uh sexuality and uh you know i don't know i, I didn't really look into into you know this was a you know, uh, meditation on coming out or if it was just, uh, you know, exploration of sexuality just in general, but it was, it was intense, you know, and lyrically and thematically that way. So I thought it was beautiful and, and, and resonant, lots of swearing as well, you know, and, yeah. uh, that was interesting. Yeah. A lot uh, of, line get, of songs with explicit next to them on the, on yeah. the, on the uh, playlist. Right. I can see. Yeah. So no, I yeah. agree. 
So she just had this like middle finger kind of thing. I, I my favorite song of this entire uh, this uh, album was I think "Time's Been Reckless." Yeah, I've got that yeah. on my list. Is yeah, it's like one that. of my favorites. Yeah. It was it was a good song, just a great song and a the theme that kind of kept with me too. You know, um, uh, obviously feeling that way as well, uh, hitting uh, forty pretty soon and. Uh, you know, feeling that time. That place. I mean, she's on. kind of probably got less right to feel like that since she's a. <laughs> yeah, <in sport>. no. <laughs> but, um, I think not she's singing fair. about someone else when she's saying time's been reckless with your body, not herself. So I think. Right. Uh, but I like what you said there, Emil, about it kind of being a middle finger because I do think the whole album, in a way, feels like a middle finger to me towards like the way she was pigeonholed and that kind of thing. So. I don't know. The first twenty, let's say, let's say the first forty seconds of every song, I was really into. Music, <laughs> and then it did, did. Then something happened with the melodies generally, and then I, then I thought, uh, I'm loving the lyrics. I don't know if I'm loving this melody or I'm loving the the composition, you know. But uh, I, the lyrics really kept me going all throughout this album. So I don't know, mm. kept 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 it up. But there is something about the jangliness of it that, that sort of was. <laughs> That was definitely a little there. I got like the best there. word of the day. You may have all this professionalism, Maybe but I, I got the best word of the day with jangling. jangling. That's, what, that's how we I win. Uh, I just, just enjoy jangliness more than you two because yeah. I've got nothing against a bit of jangliness. No, it was, <laughs> and again, and I just thought it was a little bit too derivative as well of other things. You know, like a, like like a very poor late pavement song. Maybe, and, and I know Speedy T's are very obsessed with pavement as well. So, um, but anyway, the, but I think you're right. It, the, the, you there's a massive disparity. Yeah, yeah, you should. Yeah, the, um, there's a definite big disparity between the lyrical content and the musical content, and um, sometimes they didn't mesh brilliantly for me. That's overall what I would say. Well, let me let's move on to the next question. Uh, so, Nick, uh, did you have uh, any of these albums? Was it particularly striking for you in terms of production besides the Marika Hackman? Uh, so I'm a little bit um, conflicted, or at least it's a, it's not an easy comment to make for me. But I think actually the Algiers is the one I would go for. Um, and that's not because it was the most polished production, which it certainly wasn't, uh, even of this set, let alone of the year, um, of the albums I've heard this year. But it was a very interesting mix of uh, old style production uh, which sounded very kind of 60s, Motowny, uh, with some, you know, that kind of gospel uh, kind of grind in it. Um, and then also uh, industrial beats and stuff. So I thought it was actually a really interesting mix. And the album as a whole, um, I found it to be uh, really hard to get used to, hard to get into. It took me probably six or seven listens before I got past this initial sense that it was. Um, just a weird jarring and sort of slamming together of things that didn't really fit. Um, but after a while, um, it, I did get past that, and I really started to feel like it was um, fresh, you know, and energetic and fresh in, in, in a sense of, you know, something that I hadn't seen um, I hadn't seen before, where the gospel, the Motown, the industrial, the guitar rock roots were all kind of pushed into into one sort of space together. Um, and that was exciting, actually. And, I, and also, I think politically, it was very exciting. Um, it was one of the stronger albums um, of this set, I think, of six. Um, so I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, that particularly um, Death March, I think, is, is a quite early one from that um, yeah. selection. Um, yeah. And uh, that was a that was a very political tone, uh, which I, I thought worked really well. And I'm trying to think what the other one was called now. Um, the Underside of Power is mm. the one which has the best mm. kind of 
Motowny, obviously the title track has the most kind of Motowny feel to it, particularly uh, in the outro section. Um, and I thought that was really a bold move and something that gelled better. And I heard that the first album of this band, I um, had a really tough time again, but never really got past that. So either I need to go back to that album and listen again and see if it improves, uh, or maybe I just need to accept that they've, they've improved. You know, maybe maybe it's just a question of their sort of styles gelling better this time around. So I don't know what other thing, though. Do you know them, Fran? Have you heard the previous? No, I didn't know them before, and I've kind of, I was pleasantly surprised by this album. Actually, I'd never heard of them, and when I went on Spotify, when I was putting the playlist together, I saw some of the bands they were. You know, they have related artists on Spotify. I saw some of them, and I was expecting. I thought Nick had just chosen another angry but pretty average band that I wasn't really going to get much out of, but. Turns out pretty before, so I'm a little confused about how you know, there's a lot more to this than those by like. The Slaves album, for example, that you chose and you God. subjected me to, and uh, even Idols, who I, I will just I got some fun out of Idols, but this was a. I will just oh. point out the whole point of this place is that it's blind, and I don't know what they sound yeah, like when I select them. them so, um, <laughs> so I got, I got I, Idols was fun, but this album I think was, and and I think like you said, it's a variety of genres. It's a it's a good mix, and actually, what really struck me with this album is when I was sitting and listening to it, I didn't have anything to compare it to. Usually when I sit down and listen to an album, my, yeah. first, my first step is to find what it's like that I listen to or mm. that I don't listen to or that I don't like right. and to compare it. And with this, I just, I didn't have anything. And, and I think that's why, again, like Nick, it took me a little bit of time to get into it. But after, after giving that time, I actually, yeah, enjoy this album a lot. Um, I picked out a few songs in particular. Nick's already mentioned The Underside of Power. Um, also- uh, you shouldn't mention it again then, Fran. The Underside Power, um, in case you didn't no, know. Um, very insulting. Him for an Average Man, I enjoyed a lot. And then yep, this that one great. that I can't pronounce, how are you going to tell me how to say it in it? Oh, um, Madame, Mademoiselle Rio? Rio? Yeah, something like that. I think Fre- uh, Fre- Nermal has better French than I do. Nermal? The one after a murmur sign? M- oh, yeah. That, yeah? yeah, that one's uh, Me Riox. Oh, jeez. Thanks for that. Thanks <laughs> for that help. one, too. Uh, but, yeah, in general, I mean... I think they're a really interesting band. I'm very interested to sort of to go back and listen to the other album. I think they've had a couple of albums before. I did watch um, Needle Drops review, and he he sort of says the previous work is is better. So right, but I've then I think steered away. I always wrong, steer, so. steer away from listening to other reviews. Once it's once it's on our list, but I will go back to that mm-hmm. and see what Needle Drops has to say about it. Yeah, so. check it out. No, what it think? is what. Uh, describing it as something that is unfamiliar uh, because of the sort of the mix up with the genres is I think a great point. I mean, I, I, I don't know if I could uh, attach it to anything I heard previously, except it was hard and what a voice, you know, I, the voice was just so powerful, I thought, and uh, resonant above everything. So I, I was, I was, I'm glad I asked the question about the production stuff because I wouldn't have picked up on how difficult it probably is to mix together all those different genres in a way that makes it, you know, album sound cohesive. But, you know, um, you saying it, it's the case, then, you know, I guess I'll have to believe you. I mean, maybe maybe cohesive is overstating it, though. I mean, I see what you're saying, but maybe it's it's just that they jar in a way that's actually Mm. pleasing once you get past the Mm. initial sort of shock. Um, But I don't think they ever get, and I don't think they, they would want to, write a political an angry political album that was that was that cohesive you know i mean it, but but still right. i see what you're saying it, it it does work basically fundamentally it does work i think and it's really worth people checking out 
Yeah, I mean, and um, Underside of Power, what a song. I mean, that is yeah. really, that that is a kick-ass song, I think, if, if I've heard it. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, goes on and goes on. As well. <laughs> yeah, great. The first three songs as well is just to kind of smash, smashing your head against the wall to get you yeah. started to listen to that. It's kind of, it's, yeah. it wakes you up, especially after coming after quite a slow album on the playlist, which was Planetarium, which we'll come to later. But yeah. it was kind of, yeah, yeah. you couldn't be more opposed, really, could yeah, you? Yeah. And uh, it was... Yeah. Well, let's talk. Let's talk uh, about Planet next. Actually, if we no. Can. If you don't mind, I'd like to jump in and say that we should talk about Paul Bearer next because I think there's interesting things to talk about in relation to this one. I'd like to talk about Planetarium next, actually, oh. uh, <laughs> if that's possible. Um, You're hard just, work tonight, Jesus. Let's do Planetarium. Yeah. So uh, I wanted to actually inter- ask you guys if you had heard the news that uh, there might be another planet in our solar system. Um, <laughs> that NASA has been, uh, or I think maybe, yeah, not, I don't know if it's NASA, I think it's a scientist who's been pointing a, a, um, a telescope to a very dark patch of the sky and has uh, detected that there might be a massive planet out on the uh, outskirts of uh, our solar system. So fascinating. So I, Paul Bearer then. So they need to add another song to the album. Is that what you're so saying? So I think I think we have to add. I think I think we should call him and say, "Yeah, okay, get into that." Yeah. Um, Are we going to talk about? You actually give us some opinions on music, perhaps, the perhaps no more. Is there a question in this? Yes. The question is. Um, uh, yes. Yeah. No question. Is there a question in this? Yes. <laughs> Can it's, you talk about the album? Yes. Um, so. Uh, as you were listening to it, were you paying attention to the song titles as you were listening? And did you make any connection between the song title and the uh, nature of the actual melody? Um, I think I tried to a little bit, but I think I didn't fully get that. But I think, I don't know if you guys know, but apparently this album started as a commissioned work for Nico Muley, who is a composer. And the album right. was originally a live performance where each... Um, each song had its own sort of backdrop. They had a giant sphere which looked like the planet they were. They the song was about. So, I suppose, and what I've written in my notes kind of if I'd have seen that, I think how I could see how you would really get the connection because the music and the and the visuals would connect. And I think maybe that's what this album slightly lacked is that this is for me more of a performance piece. That I would meant really to, like yeah, meant to be really live like to some way. All right. Mm. That said, I did enjoy listening to it, and um, but then again, I found it hard to sort of pick out a song. In particular, because I see it as a as a as a piece, like the whole thing as mm-hmm. a piece. So I couldn't now tell you which songs meant what and how they linked up with the album, but uh, yeah. with the titles. But um, yeah, without some really like obscure things, of, like saying oh, well, the Mars felt like a. I don't know. I can't do it. Can you? No. 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 Your ex- your experiences, your experiences in Mars didn't didn't resonate yeah. with the sound. It's such a long time since I was at Mars. <laughs> I've kind of forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? Could you connect them, Nemo? Is anyone that's called tripping right now? I just want to know. Just want to check in on our <laughs> drug intake lately. Go ahead, hey, maybe. Um, no, I had I had no idea what the connections were between the the titles and the music. <laughs> so I think it, it is absolutely it needs to be some sort of visual experience as well. Uh, but I think that, I think it really is a kind of visual experience. But uh, it was in the background a lot when I was working and and you know driving and just going about my daily business and uh, i remember being uh uh you know uh, in in a mood to trip um if if you know uh, as i was listening to it I, I thought it was kind of uh ethereal i thought the um the pieces of it that were um uh, uh 
more atmospheric were less interesting to me than the than the pieces with the actually the the singing or the you know uh, audio so um i thought that was uh kind of a it was sort of an interesting album but i i can't say that i would uh you know go back to it unless it was wrapped up in some sort of other you know video of some kind yeah i mean uh for me it was i, I think linked to both what both of you are saying is really fundamentally not um well let me put it this way i i'm not a particularly a classical music fan and this was very close to a classical music piece through a lot of the a lot of it anyway i felt like structurally it worked that way i have no sort of no disrespect to that genre i just just not really my interest uh, and it made me feel when i listen to something that's so far from my range of interest it makes me feel like actually i want to hear um something with hooks something with simple verse chorus bridge verse chorus structure mm. you know um and the more i listened to this although i didn't find it annoying at all but it just made me feel like okay well i wonder what the next album will be on this list that has some actual structure that i can read in some way you know because this just felt like it drifted past me it was it's very beautiful and and uh you could argue a lot better produced um than the algiers uh, yeah, I thought this by was that measure guaranteed but, answer to the oh, okay, right. question because clearly yeah but it, it, again it was it was well produced, produced in exactly the way you'd expect an album yeah. like this to be produced you know and that that wasn't maybe quite as much of a push as the other one but yeah i'm not i'm not disputing it it's, it's a well-made album um and sounds um you know sounds very beautiful for most of it really all of it but uh not something like normal said that i would be jumping to come back to really um yeah might come back yeah i, I, I just want to i just want to point out though before we go further that um at the start of the episode, normally you introduced this as an album by James McAllister, which I think um, the other three people would be very, very upset since he's the drummer. Um, <laughs> What's wrong with the drummer? Come on. Now you're having to go drummers. Stevens, Bryce Desner from The National and Nico Muley, the composer, may feel like they had a little <laughs> bit of... of relevance on the album so just to give you're li- if well. you're listed first on spotify you are the the artist you know i mean yeah. it's it's just we live in a short attention span world yeah. Yeah. i don't have time for four names yeah well yeah. name was part of the twitter generation you know he doesn't do Fair that enough. one name is enough i mean he's a good drummer right. yeah, yeah you know so yeah so i mean yeah it was it was solid but um i don't think that i'm gonna be kind of coming back to it much and i don't feel like it's uh it kind of wowed me, really. But maybe if it had been in a performance piece, like, like Fran is suggesting, it might have been worth it. I'd know? absolutely love to see the live show. Like, mm. If they do it again, I'll be there because I think it. I think it obviously it is a very interesting piece of music, but it it just is you're lacking that connection. I think without the visuals, um, and actually said the lyrics as well were so obscure that you couldn't really see the connection. Um, right. So yeah, but I mean, I did enjoy listening to it, and I probably will listen to it again, but probably not on repeat or anything <laughs> yep. uh incidentally do either of you know what the kuiper belt is um is this gonna be no but i feel like you're gonna you. tell us yeah exactly <laughs> you're gonna tell us aren't you <laughs> go tell us come on then no that was an honest question i mean oh, i guess if you, if you guys don't know what it is I, i'm not i can't really um there's no help contribute there, J- so. james james mccallister will know He's the expert. Yeah, he's the expert, isn't he? Yeah, hyperbelt. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, maybe that's a question for our, our uh, Twitter followers. Yeah, I'll put it out there on Twitter. Everybody, uh, watch Kuiper. out for that tweet. It'll be exciting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> People will be leaving in droves when they hear that question. I'll um, I'll mention might be... James McAllister in the tweet. See what you can tell. Oh, me. just him though. Just him. <laughs> I say ask him about the cover belt. Yeah. And also, you know, if you could tweet 
the uh, uh, discovery of the uh, new planet. That would be helpful as well. I'm pretty sure you have the login sure. details. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Uh, okay, so we have, well, we have... I'm surprised. I'm surprised nobody's brought up uh, Paul Bearer. Uh, but <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like this is a good time to talk about yeah. him. I mean, it Paul seems Bearer. kind of heartless, heartless to leave them out. Uh, you may have but... told you the title there, listeners. By the way, if wow! You, if you were listening carefully. Wow! You're on great form, Nemo. Congratulations. Who wants? Uh, can I start on Paul Bearer? Yeah, I, I actually want to go. I, just I like want to go last. It, I think. I'd like yeah. to get it over and done with. You go. I'll go last. You yeah. go. Um, you go, so Fran. I'm going to just read out my first bullet point and then I might stop. No, I'll carry on a little bit further than that. Okay. I have very little to say about this album other than I found it incredibly generic and very self-indulgent. And then basically I go on let's say it just... You sound like you're reading like a 12th grade book report or something. (laughs) That was just one of my my tweets. (laughs) That was a tweet. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, I've got to have 140 (laughs) characters, mate. That's what I do with my notes. Um, but yeah, there was just nothing new here for me. The only thing new about this album for me was that none of the songs were shorter than five and a half minutes and two of them were over <laughs> 11 and a half and I had to listen to that. I, when I saw it was seven <laughs> songs, I thought, oh, well, at least I'll get through this these dirges quite quickly. But no, because <laughs> some of them are, one of them's 13 minutes long. And, and, you know, and yeah, it wasn't for me. I'll just, I'll just. Okay. <laughs> your, your anger is palpable. <laughs> I, I, uh, I almost feel like, uh, you must have listened to this album after you uh, texted both of us and said, All right, when are we moving on to the next? Yeah. Uh, is that right? Uh, yeah. Every time I heard the, I, the first song, then I wanted to text you and say, can we move on? need something else. Can I stop listening uh, to music now, please? <laughs> um, well, I think, I think, uh, you know, we should be able to compare, we should compare this to Algiers, you know, um, that's I think a good that's idea. A, yeah, who would come up with that? One, oh one of us. God. I just want to reach up. down the fucking microphone and throttle you. <laughs> hey, anyway. uh, careful with the words. We are not an explicit podcast, so <laughs> thank you. We would need to uh, recalibrate our. <laughs> so, come on, tell us um, what you think. Uh, well, uh, uh, hard. Oh yeah, I, I thought this was hard and muscular and. <laughs> Uh, real badass. I just need to spat uh, water out all over Nick's computer. Muscular, I love that. That's that's amazing. Muscular. Yeah, I was on the road listening to this, and I just felt the need to cut people off as I drove. <laughs> uh, it was really, it was really exciting. Uh, however, I don't know if I um, could bear more than a couple albums but but after after uh, getting through it i was um uh reminded of how much i uh loved uh old metal and uh you know spent spent a few days just uh returning black uh, returning to some black sabbath and uh and Danzig, I was listening to uh, as a result of uh, listening to this. So, so it was a happy uh, outcome then, in some extent. It was a happy outcome for me. Yes, it was. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think but, it's why well, they finished with a song called A Plea for Understanding. I think they're just asking <laughs> us to forgive them for the previous seven songs. So, <laughs> no? may I interject now? Yeah, go um, for it, Nick. So, defend this album. <laughs> I, I will say that I, I don't think since we started doing this podcast, I've been more disappointed with an album oh, wow. from what my expectations were. I heard about it through the Deep Cuts uh, vlog and um, as, as a doom metal album, or at least a doom metal band, and I don't know if they for this specific album, a doom metal band, 
And I want to pick up on one word that, that Fran used earlier, which is uh, he didn't want to listen to any more of this dirge. I actually really wish it was a dirge. <laughs> I, I would have much, much preferred it to be a lot heavier than this. It wasn't that heavy. Algiers, this is why I wanted to talk about Algiers in relation to this. It, Algiers is a much darker, heavier, more aggressive album than Paul Bearer, even though Paul mm. Bearer does nothing but attempt to sell how heavy and tough, muscular, I think is a great word to use now, sure. yeah. version of itself. Actually, ultimately, it is very generic, as Fran said. Mm. It's very tired. It's very cliched. It's very... I just thought it was not that dark. And I'm sure, um, you know, and if maybe fans of the band think it's tough. I mean, I'd encourage them to... There's a lot of bands I can think of who are a lot darker than this. I'll put it that way, and, and I would, and I would, you know, if, if that's what you're looking for, I don't think Paul Bear is, is fair is justifiably delivering what what they say they're delivering. And that's really the issue for me. It's not a question of, I mean, it's just that they're selling something that's not, you know, not kind of the, what they're really delivering. You know, they're they're sort of saying they're tough. They're kind of purporting to be tough and and hard and heavy, and they're really not. The the songs weren't slow enough to be doomy for me, um, and they weren't dirgy, as I said. Um, and actually, ultimately, a lot of them, in particular, I thought the second one, which is called Thorns, um, sounded like, uh, and this is a little bit of an insult to the, band, but, uh, to the other band, but it sounded a bit like Alice in Chains, uh, who I think have done some great stuff in years past, you know, obviously a long time ago now, but um, and, and this, but it's a different genre. It's not, it's not Doom, certainly not. Um, but this sounded like a, a kind of rather tired ripoff of that. So um, you know, I, I really wanted to find something heavy. And I, and I will say, though, that this doesn't mean that I'm going to give up on my quest to try and find <laughs> a really, really scarily dark, heavy album, because this is not it. So I, I want to compare it to uh, Planetarium, actually, um, in the sense uh, <laughs> that I <laughs> think but I think this for strange. You know, I think the, this album, Paul Bearer's album, uh, is written for probably the probably fans and uh written in such a way that it would be a moving experience live when you had this you know crowd of people sort of and just you're just going on with these 11 minute songs and um everybody's sort of like zoned out and listening and, I, and it feels like it is an album meant to add songs to a live set almost right rather than uh than an album in its own right you know listen to in any in any venue it seems really meant for this audience yeah i, I mean think I, about it for long enough to even draw those conclusions <laughs> i mean i think i think live would live would uh probably imp- improve this in terms of the the weight of that distortion and volume would would hit you but put yeah. this way if you were to hear algiers live or this live you'd still have a massive disparity in which was mm. the heavier, darker and louder thing, La- you know, louder right. conceptually thing, you know? And I think Algiers right. would still, to be honest, kick its ass. It would just be so much more dark and intense, you know? So, um, yeah, it just, you know, very, very unfortunate. And, and, and Deep Cuts, although, which is a channel I really like, I will say, um, is worth checking out. But um, that, that wasn't a good call. Unless, of course, they change genre a lot in, the last, in this new album versus the, the last couple, which is what I think he was specifically referring to, so... Yeah, yeah. So, so of these four guys, what's your favorite, Nick? Algiers. Um, Algiers was uh, really refreshing and a bit of hard work, which I, I like with some with albums sometimes, which got me somewhere, which is worthwhile. Uh, Marika Hackman for me, because um, I love the jangliness. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah, no, Algiers. I was a big fan of Algiers as well. Those two were yeah, very enjoyable albums. So. 
Yeah, but Marika Hackman probably edged it for me. No? Uh, wow. Well, as much as I'd like to disagree, I, I think uh, Marika Hackman as well. Like for me, just uh, I really enjoyed it. And, I, and I'm really like, I think one of the things I'm really looking forward to the next album by Marika Hackman, mm. you know, it's like I'll, I'll be on it. Uh, and uh, like white on rice. <laughs> but I don't typically eat white. Well, I do. You know, last night I had a great white rice uh, <laughs> meal. With. You don't be getting enough sleep. Yeah, you you're okay. okay. Uh, I'm really starting to become concerned now. Are you okay or what? Right, you're not. Uh, all right, we've got two more to go. We've should got we move Chlor. on to Chlor? Let's move on to Chlor. So I suggested this uh, because of uh, what I saw in terms of uh, uh, on the Enemies uh, 2010 greatest albums you've never heard list. <laughs> and uh, as I listened to it, I was <laughs> convinced I should be able to finish this without laughing. I was I was sort of convinced maybe it's not an album I would have wanted to hear. Um, but you just but, stole my first bullet point. That's exactly but, my joke. You just stole my joke. <laughs> well, there you go. I I don't know. I don't know why it's so great. Uh, I did not enjoy it. Um, <laughs> I, I need someone to help me uh, understand. Um, this is enjoyable, but. I'm going to put it out there, Nimble, and think it's it's you because the two classic albums you've chosen so far have been XTC and this, and they've both <laughs> caused me as much pain. <laughs> yeah, but well, I, I have actually, written that. I thought this, this album was alright. I want to defend it. Well, a little you bit. can defend it in a minute. Okay, let, 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 let you go. Let you go. Well, it grew on me the most of the five albums on this playlist, actually, and that's because when I first heard it, I thought it was the worst album I'd ever heard, and by the end, wow. I kind of thought it was just forgettable, but not horrible. Wow. Wow, that's um, very extreme. Yeah, yeah. Well, not the exactly. You're throwing that word around one of too the easily. Most disappointing albums. When because it is the enemy. I mean, the enemy's gone downhill, hasn't it? Let's be yeah. honest. But yeah. to say that it's the best album you've never heard, and yeah. as Normal said, I wish I still hadn't heard it. But Nick's gonna. I, I I didn't hate this album. I thought this album was this album was full of the kind of energy that a lot of those bands out of the the 2000s had. Particularly the best example of which was the Test Icicles. Um, Dev Hines' band who's now Blood Orange uh, which, and that album Test Icicles uh, which is called I forget now I'll have to put that on we'll have to put that up on the post later but um, that album there's only, only the one album is, is really fantastic and, and like this though has a sort of bubbly energy to it which I found quite addictive honestly uh, not jangly though bubbly there's, there's a big difference mate I'm in genu- um, genuine shock <laughs> I didn't love it but I thought it was there was some there were some particular points like uh, what's the one Hearts on Fire um, that I thought was um, kind of like a, a very interesting kind of earworm kind of song you know kind of addictive little little uh, rhythm that kind of worked well so uh, but again I, I didn't love it but I'm, I'm really I mean certainly it's, in no way was it the worst I've ever heard. Come yeah, on, right, I was getting a bit yeah. carried away there. <laughs> it's it's the worst album I heard that month. Is that is that a bit more okay? Oh. A bit tamer. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Um, it's worse than the Paul Bearer. Then, come on. All right, second, the second worst album. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 exactly. The second worst album. I heard. Six is the second worst. No, no. That's what I said, though, if you remember what I said, is that I started off thinking that, and then it grew on me a little bit. Okay. So I started okay. off really hating it. I started off thinking it was kind of because the XTC that we did on a previous playlist never grew on me at all whereas this did it did grow on me a tiny bit um a little little tiny bit (laughs) not where you would want it to grow no (laughs) (laughs) this uh i i saved one of these songs uh because i i really kind of thought it was uh 
catchy, you know. I mean, I think it was tuck in, stuck in a tight spot. And then it came up again as I was listening to some other stuff. And I said, I, I'm going to unsave this. <laughs> I did not like that. <laughs> I did not like that, but I tried. You know, I tried. It sort of ungrew on me. That's, I very, think. that's very kind of you to try. Anyway, well it done. It sounds all right when it's in the middle of this album. But when you're playing it against other music, you realise <laughs> quite how terrible it is. Wow. I don't know the opposite is, but uh, it was definitely an ungrowing experience. I kind of was into it, and then, and then less and less so. Okay. Fair enough. Wow. Okay, I think we've been up move that on? album enough. That's pretty harsh. Uh, okay, so Lennon Cohen, please tell us. Um, yes. All, all right. About so. Lennon Cohen. <laughs> Um, I, um, well, I'm, I'm delighted that I was able to kind of put together this list. Um, it allowed me to kind of go back and, uh, listen to old Leonard Cohen. I've been listening to a lot of his later stuff recently. So, um, the playlist is, is in chronological order from the beginning of his career to the most recent stuff. And I was particularly interested in three parts of it and i would love to hear you guys comment on on these elements which was like the evolution of his voice and especially how it sort of got more uh slower deeper gravelly uh you know like a almost a um voice from below kind of voice by the end of it. Were you doing like, the voice then? Yeah, we thought you were actually replicating it then. I'm, 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 I'm channeling. I'm channeling. <laughs> I, thought, I thought the, and then the darkening of those lyrics, I thought was was kind of interesting. You know, the lyrics got even more and more dark and amazing. You can uh, kind of think of his stuff getting darker than it was in the beginning. Um, so I'm not really sure when I first heard his music, but uh, it has hit and come up. Leonard Cohen's work has come up at really interesting times and uh, been vibrant in my life in a few moments, and it's kind of really stuck with me. The first one was when I was listening to him uh, for the first time in uh, Paris in 97. I was studying abroad pretending to be an intellectual uh, in the dark, listening, smoking, <laughs> eating some cheese and a baguette when I really probably should have been reading. Uh, but that's not what intellectuals do, right? They uh, they pretend. And so uh, I was listening to the lyrics, but I was really moved by them. And I thought I thought it was really hitting my uh, 18-year-old self really, uh, really uh-huh. right there, square in the heart. Uh-huh. Um, and then... Uh, uh, many years, just a few years later, I listened to him off and on, but just a few years later, I heard Nick Cave being interviewed by Mark Marin, and Nick Cave saying in that interview how he was, uh, he wished he could write as narratively infused and cohesive lyrics and songs as Leonard Cohen does in uh, Songs of Love and Hate. And I thought that was really telling because I thought, you know, Nick Cave is, I think, a great kind of narrative songwriter and, um, that he he looked into he looked to Leonard Cohen as a kind of influence and uh, a beacon in some ways of that kind of writing that that he's done. I've been listening to Nick Cave, ever, I mean uh, Leonard Cohen, ever since then, with a little eye towards Nick Cave and and that comparison. So that was interesting. It's uh, a great comparison. We should talk more about that. Absolutely. Mm. But sorry, go ahead though. Yeah. Then uh, like and then just a, like a, a few years after that, in 2013, I, my wife and I had tickets to see him live. And I was hospitalized uh, for a rejection of my liver, liver uh, of my transplant. So I had to go back in the hospital. I told my wife was shocked to go, uh, regardless of the concert, because I wish I was there. And uh, she uh, 
turned up the uh, turned on the phone and opened you know the mic and had uh, Suzanne, which was one of my favorites, uh, mm-hmm. piped in from the concert into my hospital room wow. and uh, just sat there uh, alone in the room listening to uh, Cohen, you know, miles away uh, through my wife's phone, which was uh, kind of experience and then the well, last intense mo- experiences of listening to these albums like you did with the neutral as well yeah yeah, yeah well you know it's, it's music powerful. is music is an intense experience for me nick i don't know i'm sure you can relate to that yeah i, don't, I can take it or leave it honestly yeah but, but. <laughs> like explore album so <laughs> the last piece the last thing i just wanted to mention is that uh so he you know leonard cohen died uh, last year uh in um november and uh, it was the day before uh, Trump beat Clinton in uh, the American election. And uh, Bashak and I listened to Leonard Cohen uh, a couple nights after that, uh, either mourning him or the country. And uh, I'm not really sure what uh, we were doing, but we were, we were just sobbing all sort of uncontrollably at that moment uh, and sad, but, but, you know, we were listening to his song, uh, you want it darker. Huh. And, uh, and it feels like, you know, I was almost feeling like, Hey, you know, as a country, we, uh, we really want things to be as divisive and, and dark as possible. And, uh, and, uh, you know, our, our, uh, less than ideal selves will, uh, uh, bring us there before we get any better. So, uh, it was, it was a kind of, tough momentous moment but it was uh, also kind of healing because you know we could still turn to leonard cohen so wow. um that's uh that's uh, my experience of him so like uh, i would love to hear uh, what you guys thought of this stuff yeah uh maybe i'll go i'll go first i guess yes, um yeah i mean so i'm not that familiar with his work obviously i know of him uh, um i knew you were so this is this is great that you've you've given this sort of these powerful moments about how it's affect how he's affected you i think the nick cave association is really interesting to raise um because of the narrative form of the songs uh but also because of some of the things to do with the production so um oh. and also the caliber obviously very high caliber writing um i suppose for me um one of the amazing things was was just how good a poet he really is um i feel like actually um, when you, since you talk about the voice, the distinctions yeah. in the voice, I, I don't notice those as much because I'm, I'm not as familiar with everything he's done as, as you are, evidently. Um, but I, so in that sense, I don't, I don't, almost, I don't think of him as a singer really. I think of him as a poet, uh, you know, like a, maybe like a Dylan and maybe like a Nick Cave to some extent. Um, I, I thought lots of the album was was really so. For example, uh, Villanelle for our time was that one? Was that? Yeah, one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, yeah. I loved that track. That was that was really great. Uh, I mean, there was nothing I, I, you know, disliked on it at all. The only, thing, the only little caveat I'd say is I feel like sometimes the production um, forms that it was that, that he took in the earlier stuff, in particular, um, they sort of have aged. They've sort of sound a bit more dated than maybe the lyrics need them to be, as it were. Yeah, you know, like they, don't, they don't quite. They sometimes sound. Um, they like, sound uh, 60s, very, right? They sound very sixties or seventies yeah. sometimes, and. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and that's fine. I, I'm nothing against that. But, it, you know, I, I just feel like actually if, if you were to put some of these songs or these these lyrics to modern production techniques, you'd actually get something that was still sounded very fresh, you know, and d- didn't actually sound right. of the 70s, say, you know. So um, and it's, it was interesting. I, we went to see Fran and I went to see Nick Cave last week, actually, and um, yeah. uh, which was which was amazing. Um, 
and and I was thinking about on the way on the way home afterwards that in a way Nick Cave is an artist who actually um, I don't actually this sounds really radical to say but I don't actually love Nick Cave's music to some extent um, I, but I love I love the persona I love the performance and the ideas and I, and I but I certainly love the lyrics I think he's an incredible writer so in a way the Leonard Cohen connection there is that both of them actually you know write at this level produce these narratives at this level that are just so powerful and affecting. Um, but actually the music behind that, it's enough to sell the music behind that, even if sometimes that music isn't, isn't necessarily my first, absolute first choice, you know? So, um, anyway, I, I don't know if that makes sense, but that, that's kind of how, oh, it, yeah. that's kind of how I characterize it. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, I, yeah. Before I move on to my thoughts, uh, I, I, I do have a question for you, Nick, because I remember right. when we listened to, before we started re- recording the podcast, we listened to, um, Cohen's album from last year and mm. you're, you said that when you came away from because you knew Cohen was such a big thing, it just felt a little bit too Leonard Cohen, and you kind of couldn't get past yeah, that. Yeah, and I true. wondered whether listening, spending some time with this playlist, and because I've obviously, I've known very well as well, so right. I'm just quite interested in spending some time with this playlist and hearing a bit of yeah. his evolution. Did that change, or is it still something you feel is like? I still felt, I did still feel like you know, again, like a Dylan. He has a very, very distinctive voice. Um, you could always spot it was him. Uh, even though there was, as, as Nermal saying, when you knew, knew him very well, changes in the tone of that voice. But, I, I, you know, you would never be mistaken to think it was somebody else. Mm. Um, and that's not a bad thing, but I think maybe um, uh, it, it was hard to get past that. But I think this playlist was very successful and helpful. So thank you for it, Nermal, because I, getting through from the start to the end of this sort of pushed me to to, to absorb, sort of push through that, that, um, that barrier almost, that barrier of like, this is just Len Cohen talking all the time. Mm, sure, you know? so, yeah. 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 Well, for me, um, I'm going to go to the playlist to start with, Nirmal, in that I think, I know obviously this is an obvious thing to say in some ways because it was in chrono- chronological order, but it also felt with the song choices that you did choose and there was a real sense of imaging through yeah. this playlist. There was a real sense of, and I love the fact that you started started it with Dance Me to the End of Love and then you ended it with a live version of Dance Me to the End of Love from 30 years later because... Right. It really felt like, and especially finishing with the songs from uh, the the album, You Want It Darker from last year, which are Leaving the mm. Table, which is obviously he knew he was dying at this point. And it's a, uh, for me, mm. I found the playlist quite an emotional sort of ride, really. Um, yeah. So I was really, really impressed with that. I mean, I was already a pretty big Cohen fan. My mum was a big fan when I was a kid, so I heard him a lot. And I loved last year's album. But what really impressed me and what I kind of hadn't been aware of was how consistent he was throughout, because I kind of didn't know a lot of the mid-career stuff. So a few songs that I picked up that I didn't really know before were uh, My Secret Life, Who By yeah. I, I'm Your Man. Um, I knew a few from that era. Like, I, I'd heard I'd heard a few of them before, but I hadn't spent... Yeah, Everybody Knows, obviously, was one that I knew really well from that era because that was a massive song at the time. But I was really impressed to see that, actually, he never he never really dropped, like, um, like some other artists of his era or his caliber have you know that you kind of wish they'd stop putting albums out but mm. i mean for me actually you want it darker was possibly one of his best albums so that he bowed yeah. out of that is kind a, of amazing right yeah, it's incredible uh, you know to nick's point about him being a poet too you know he um i would talk about how he really didn't like his voice at all and uh he preferred to write and preferred to 
publish poetry, and, and he did. But I think the uh, <clears throat> putting it in the audio <laughs> format eventually, and working with other musicians, ended up having such a wider audience for his mm. poetry. And uh, I, he uh, always was very self-conscious about his voice, and uh, started to. Um, uh, bring in, especially when he started bringing in some background vocalists to uh, boost it, essentially. And I know a lot of uh, Cohen fans uh, love him and love him live, especially because of the amazing women he has behind him <laughs> singing along and boosting up the, mm -hmm. the the lyrical stuff. And he play he plays that too. Uh, I was also I'm also reminded of uh, something that I've heard in a couple of live recordings where he. Uh, uh, will like uh, talk to the audience saying um, he was looking at himself in the mirror and just says, cheer up, man. <laughs> What's got you so down? <laughs> you know, it's sort of like, you know, cheer, but he even says it in such a way that is incredibly somber, right? So <laughs> it's, it's kind of funny. Um, I, uh, I miss him a lot. And uh, wish uh, wish I could still uh, hear his new stuff um, come out, but uh, but I'm glad I'm 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 I love the opportunity to have created this playlist because I think I'll be going back to it quite a bit. Great, yeah. Well, we say it's all saved up, um, so we're under Picky Bus episode five, isn't it? Yep. So uh, right. yeah, so we have this, everyone can hear it and you can hear it again. Great. All right. Well, let's uh, talk about next time. Okay, I just wanted to put in a, an honourable mention, though, actually, um, for an album that I heard during the course of the month. Oh, yeah. Maybe we, we could all mention one if we have one. Um, just that something that wasn't on this list, but I thought was worth recommending to people. Um, and it's not a very radical choice, I think, for me. But um, the, the new Everything Everything album, uh, A Fever Dream, uh, came out in the last month. And uh, I kind of wish it had been on this playlist, uh, maybe in the place of, say, I don't know, Paul Bearer because um, it would have been a, a slight improvement on, on, on level of quality. Um, it's a really great album. It's, it's a ton of, of energy and a, a very kind of um, danceable album, which is not something I would usually be that fussed about, but wow. but really incredibly well produced. It's so well produced. I actually bought it on vinyl, and because some of the spaces they've used to record these sort of danceable elements, but they've recorded them all very live, uh, just sounds... Um, just jumps right out out of you um, and really kind of grabs you. So yeah, it's it's a fantastic album, lots of energy, and and anyone who who hasn't heard it should check it out. Cool. Well, do you um, have any of those as well? If I'm going to do Brand. an honourable mention, I don't think it'll surprise anyone who listened to episode four when I introduced you guys to the National that my honourable mention from the last uh, the last month would be Sleep Well Beast by the National. Ah, um, oh, you took mine. I'm sorry, but I'm keeping it. Um, you let me go first, so you know. Hmm. But I think it's um, it's an interesting. Not just I mean, if the National had released any album, I would probably be choosing that right now. But the fact that <laughs> they have really evolved with this album and they're doing something interesting, they while keeping their sound and lyrically, he's if it's possible taken a sort of step up in that he tells a a yeah. real story through this album. It's the first kind of concept album. It's um, it's very emotional album, but it's it's got a couple of. Uh, of tracks that they haven't done a track as heavy of since the early stuff. There's a track called Turtleneck, which didn't start out as my favourite, but it's kind of a an anti-Trump rant, which is nice to see them add to their repertoire. Um, but yeah, there's Take a couple. There's just some lyrics on the album that will just I, I find kind of very heartbreaking and quite beautiful. And it's it's they've done it again. So yeah, that's that's mine. Nice. 
Now would you have one or not? Yeah, well, you know, this is actually relatively recent. I uh, got really into Tricky's album, Un... Un, un, un man, I, I don't know how to pronounce this. Ununiform, I think it's, it's pronounced okay. ununiform. <laughs> it's tricky. It's, it's, it's kind of confusing. Look at anyway, it, it's... Um, uh, ah, man, I, I don't know. Classic tricky. It's uh, um, dark... Uh, very melodic, nice uh, rock. Is he hip-hop. as cool as ever? Is he? Is he like rock hip hop? Slick and cool as ever, because he's usually just so like exuding that incredible he, coolness. He is incredibly cool, and it. You know, I think he's also underfed. You know, he seems incredibly <laughs> skinny, and I just hope that he. Or, or that he's uh, taking a few too many substances in rather yeah, than the underfed. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I don't think he's into that. It's not, no, no. It's not that kind of music, such, really, is it? It's not uh, really. I, I saw him in Boston, actually, and I just remember the first time I saw it, this is more than a decade ago, he spent about half an hour facing the drummer with a massive bong <laughs> in his hand, just like not even looking at the audience. It's like the whole, the half the set went without really seeing his face. It's amazing. So, anyway. uh, yeah. I'll have to check that out. I haven't heard the album. So that'd be good. I like yeah. it. I like yeah. Tricky a lot. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about next, next time. time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, let's do it. So next time, next time I'll be... Um, well, I recommended that we listen to the Queens of Stone Age album, Villain, and uh, Liar's new new album, TFCF. Nick? Actually, no, Fran first. I'll, I'll go, because I've, um, I've gone with Daughter's album, Music from Before the Storm, which is actually a soundtrack to a computer game, apparently. Oh, that's going to um, be fantastic. Uh, yeah. It's, <laughs> Thanks it's, for that. It's good to know. Um, no judgment yet. No judgment yet. Come on. I've also gone for <laughs> Dark Days and Canapes by Ghost Poet. And oh, I will be uh, kind of leading things uh, and introducing. Um, well, first of all, I'll be talking about the classic album, which is the My Bloody Valentine's Loveless. Um, and then I'll be introducing uh, one of my favorite bands, Quasi, and their album featuring Birds, which I think is from 90. 90- Nine, I think, but I have to check on that. So, if you were yeah. are you it, sure it's not whole... quasi? It might be quasi. It might be quasi. Uh, I'm going to go with quasi. Um, but you know, quasi sounds. You can go with whatever you prefer. Better. Fair enough. Then. Go with quasi. The two English people say it's, it's quasi. So deal with it. Yeah. Well, we won the war. <laughs> I don't know if we can get into that right now. Good place to end. <laughs> I reckon. Good place to end. All right. Uh, so. Thanks very much then, and uh, we will see you next time. Absolutely. Adios. Adios.